Psalm 63 and verse number 1. The Bible says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I've seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness in my mouth. Shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Because thou hast been my help. Therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go down in the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. Father, I pray tonight in Jesus' name, Lord, that you'd bless the reading of thy word. We want to thank you for the good choir singing. Lord, how we've been reminded of how blessed we've been and how blessed that we are. And I want to thank you for letting us be here tonight in the house of God. And Lord, we've come together to worship in spirit and truth. Thank you for the good testimonies tonight. And I pray that you'll touch the preaching of thy word. I pray that you'll give us liberty. Lord, I pray that you'd bind the devil tonight. And may the word of God have free course in our hearts and in our lives. Help us tonight as only you can. May we not see man and may we not see flesh. But, oh God, I pray that you'd get all the glory and the praise that's due to your name tonight. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to give you just a few moments of a background of Psalm 63 and then preach the message that God has laid upon our heart tonight. When you come to Psalm 63, this is a Psalm of David and if you have this heading in your Bible, you'll notice that it says a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. And when you think about where David is at in Psalm 63, it's a very pivotal point in his life and it's one worthy to mention because uh, it's a place that David is no stranger to. He's on the run from Absalom. Absalom has taken the throne. He has stolen the hearts of the, of the men of Israel. He has worked against David and <clears throat> David is at this place in his life where uh, David, like so many times that we've seen in several of these Psalms when he is on the run from Absalom, especially in the 60s here, in the 60s, of these psalms that uh, David is writing because uh, he has lost the throne, he has lost the kingdom and he has felt betrayal in his life. Now everyone as I mentioned on Sunday has felt uh, betrayal to some level and some degree uh, uh, in their life. David though in this psalm has felt betrayal like he has never felt it before. He has felt it through uh, he has felt it through Absalom his own son he has felt it through his nephew and he has felt it also through Ahithophel his most wise and dearest counselor and there's a lesson in that within itself and that is that Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel and he, you know if you would have thought anybody would have left David's side you would have thought uh, it would not have been Ahithophel Ahithophel as wise as he was and the counsel that he had given you would have thought that uh, he would have been smarter but he followed the personality of Absalom he followed the philosophy of Absalom and I just want to stop and say this that spirituality is what keeps us from following the personalities of men and the philosophies of men. And friend, we're living in that day when people, uh, so many times they follow after what other people are doing or what other people are saying. But you and I have a responsibility to stay in the bounds of the word of God and to stay with the leadership that God has placed in our life. And so 
they have left David and they have stolen the hearts of the men of Israel. And now David has went as far into the wilderness of Judea along the banks of the Dead Sea is what he can get. He's far away from Jerusalem. He's far away from home. And he begins to write Psalm 63. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject on down but not out. Amen? Down but not out because that's where David is at. David is very down in Psalm 63. He's far away from that place of worship. He's lost the throne. He's lost the, uh, the popularity. He's lost the support and the, and the loyalty of those that he thought would stay with him. And no doubt his heart is discouraged and we can see that in this Psalm. He's down. But there's a principle in this Psalm and it's the principle that I'm preaching tonight. How many times in David's life would we see David get down and it looked like David was gonna be defeated. It looked like David would never recover. It looked like he would never repent. It looked like he would never regain. I mean, it looked like the odds were so stacked against David that there was absolutely no way that David could ever get out of the situation he was in. He was down, but how many times have we seen David rise to the occasion, get above the circumstances, get above the, the problems in his life, even though he was down, he was not out, amen? You think about it, time would not let us do this tonight. But if you think about Goliath, the odds was against David. David looked like he was gonna be taken down, but he was not taken down and he was not taken out. His own brother didn't believe in him. Saul didn't believe in him. It was a very discouraging time in David's life when his own family would not stand with him, when his own leader would not support him. Saul gave him the armor, but Saul had no confidence in David. But David went on and did what he was supposed to in spite of what people around him were saying and in spite of what people around him was doing. When you think about Saul, how that Saul so quickly turned on David through the javelin at David three times, Saul tried to kill David. Hey, if the king wants you dead, you're just pretty much as good as dead in Bible days, amen? But I'm telling you, as hard as Saul would seek after David, and when it looked like Saul was just about to catch David every time, God would always make a way. David looked like he was down, but he was not out. God always knew how to get David out of the tough situations of life. And even in this situation with Absalom, when it looks like he'll never regain the throne, it looks like David is so far gone and so far down. There's no way that David will recover. He is down, but don't count him out, amen? If you know the story, you know that God raises David back up again. He puts him back on that throne. He's down, but he is not out, amen? You know, tonight, God will do the same thing for every one of us. How many times in life has it looked like the odds was against us? How many times in life has it looked like that there was no way out, that our resources were run out? But God, somehow, somewhere in some way, God made a way. I want to tell you tonight, if you want to live for God, you can. Somebody say amen. If you want to make it tonight, you can make it if you want to. 
You won't make it by yourself. You won't make it within yourself. It'll take God for all of us to make it. But I want to tell you tonight, if you quit on God, and I know it's a Wednesday night crowd, but I can't help it. It's just in the psalm, amen? But if you quit on God or if you slack up or if I slack up, if we throw in the towel tonight, hey, you, we can blame everybody in our life. We can blame it on circumstances. We can blame it on people. We can blame it on problems. But the, my friend, listen, the truth of the matter is if you and I want to serve God till the end, we can. There's strength for the journey. There's grace if we want to go on. And God's pulling for us. And if God be for us, then who can be against us? If you want to make it, you can. And if you don't, it won't be God's fault. It won't be the Bible's fault. It won't be the Holy Spirit's fault. It won't be the church's fault. It won't be the pastor's fault. And you say, well, preacher, I've been knocked down. That may be true, but you don't have to be knocked out. Amen. You know, Walter Payton broke a record, and I'm not, I don't use a lot of carnal illustrations, but I thought it was a pretty good illustration. Walter Payton broke the nine or 13 mile record in his run. I can't remember at the time. But in the, when he broke that record, he ran in his carries, over 3,000 carries. He ran for either nine or 13 miles. I can't remember over those 3,000 carries. And when he broke that record, the announcer, they stopped the game and the announcer came on the intercom and made the announcement that he had just, with that last carry, he had just run across either that nine or that 13 mile mark. That many miles and that many carries. But then the announcer said this. He said he did it on an average of 3.4 yards at a time. He said, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying he ran nine or 13 miles, whichever it was. That memory won't serve me right now. He ran, and you said, well, nine or 13 miles doesn't sound like a whole lot in a career. It took 3,000 and something carries to get that far. He didn't do that with one carry. He didn't do that with two or three carries. You say, well, what are you saying? I'm saying it took over 3,000 carries to, to run that many miles. He got knocked down a whole lot of times is what I'm trying to say, tell you. Every three to four yards, he got knocked down. But when he got knocked down, you know what he did? He didn't stay down. He got back up. He lined back up. He ran another distance. He may have only got another two or three or four yards, but he kept on going and he kept on going. I'm gonna tell you in this Christian life, there's been a lot of times since the day I got saved, I'd take a pretty good little sprint, but then something would hit me along the way. Sometimes it's the devil. Sometimes it's the flesh. Sometimes it's the world. Sometimes it's the problems of life, but whatever it is, just because it knocks you down, you don't got to throw a pity party and stay down. Thank God you can get back up. Take another run at it. Amen. And one of these days, we're going to cross the finish line. Amen. David had his ups and he had his downs, but there's one thing about David. He didn't quit, my friend. In spite of Goliath, in spite of Saul, in spite of Bathsheba, in spite of David, you know what he did? He just kept getting back up until he got to the end of the journey. I'm talking about he was down, but he was not out, amen. I looked at this psalm and I thought to myself, David, what was it that helped you when you was down not to be out? Let me give you these four things tonight. I want to say number one, it was David's hunger for God. When you look at the first three verses of this psalm, notice he said, oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. He said, my soul thirsted for thee and my flesh longed for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. 
to see thy power and thy glory so as I've seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. You know what it was that helped David when he was down not to get completely out? It was that hunger for God. In these three verses here, David tells us that we see in there that his hunger is seen in verse number one in where he was. He said, oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. David, where are you at? He said, I'm gonna tell you where I'm at. He said, I'm in a dry and a thirsty land where no water is. Now that was true literally, but I want to tell you it was also true spiritually. David is in a place in his life uh, where spiritually he is barren. Spiritually things are dry. You know, sometimes God uh, will let us go through the barren times of our life. Uh, He'll let us go through dry seasons in our life. uh, And it's in those seasons uh, that it seems like things will knock us down. But David said, you know what? I may be down. Things may not be going my way, but that hunger for God is still there. That hunger to serve God is still there. And David, my friend, his hunger is seen in where he was. Uh, Even though he's in a barren place, uh, he's still hungry for God. He said, oh God, thou art my God. In spite of where I'm at, in spite of the situation around me, I want you to know you're still my God. I want to stop and say tonight, uh, it doesn't matter where we're at. Uh, It doesn't matter if you got a house full or a handful. Uh, He's still worthy to be praised. He's still worthy to be magnified. It doesn't matter if you're eating T-bone steak or if you got a bologna sandwich. God is still worthy to be lifted up. It doesn't matter if you live in a nice house or a shack by the side of the road. God is still good. He's still worthy to be praised. I'm saying, friend, David is hungry for God. Amen. You know, when a man's not hungry, you can put a T-bone steak in front of him, but he has no appetite for it. I've seen it in church. When people are not hungry for God, you can preach your guts out. They'll look at you like a calf looking at a new gate. Amen. I mean, listen, you can have the best singing, you can have the, I mean, people can shout and testify, and they'll sit there and finger, they'll file their fingernails uh, uh, while people are getting blessed. You know why? Because they're not hungry, amen. Uh, uh, but I tell you, when you get hungry, you go to church. Uh, I tell you, when you're hungry, a bologna sandwich will, will taste like a T-bone steak. Isn't that right? Uh, I'm telling you, when you're hungry, a tomato sandwich, uh, I'm getting pretty hungry just thinking about that, aren't you? Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, when you got an appetite, uh, you're not too picky. You're not too choosy. You know why people are so picky at church? And they'll shout when they feel like it, shout when they don't. They'll get in on a service when they want to, a sermon when they want to, and when they don't, it's because they don't have no appetite. But brother, when you come to church and you're hungry, it don't matter who's doing the preaching, it don't matter who's doing the singing, I mean, you're just wanting to get in. I'm talking about David, in spite of where he was, his hunger for God kept him when he was down from being out. Amen. I want to say not only was his hunger seen in where he was, but his hunger is seen in what he wanted. Look at verse number two. David, what are you wanting from God? This is amazing. David is not asking for the throne in verse number two, but he wants to see something. He said, Lord, I want to see thy power and thy glory so as I've seen thee in the sanctuary. Brother Lady, that's amazing to me because David is not worried about that throne. David is not worried about being king. 
He's not worried about a crown. You know, it never was with David. He wasn't never uh, amored by the fact of being king or who it was. Uh, David's heart was all about one thing. That was bringing worship into Jerusalem. That was establishing worship back where it needed to be. Remember when he brought the ark up and he danced in the streets of Jerusalem and he wanted to build the temple, but he couldn't, but he gathered the stuff. You know why? Because David was a worshiper. And David said, God, uh, he said, I don't really care if it's my lot to be dethroned, uh, if it's my lot to not be king. Uh, there's just one thing I want to see. I want to see your power and your glory like I've seen it in the sanctuary. What I'm saying to you is David may have lost the throne, uh, but he didn't lose the God of the throne. Amen. I want to tell you tonight, uh, uh, listen, everything I, might, I have may go up in smoke, uh, uh, but like Brother Laddie said, uh, I want to keep my worship. Uh, I want to keep my fire. Uh, I want to keep on coming to church and saying amen. I don't care if anybody says amen or not. I'm telling you, I'm not going to dry up and die by the good grace of God. I'm going to keep my fire in these last days. Hallelujah. Brother, I get in churches sometimes and I think, Lord, I'm going to tell you something. We're not that far from it neither. Amen. But I tell you what I made my mind up. Even if the ship sinks, I'm going to keep on shouting for you. Amen. I'm a, by the grace of God, I'm not losing my fire. I'm not boasting. I'm just saying I pray about that every day. God, I don't want to lose my shout. Amen. I've watched some good ones lose it. Amen. I don't want to lose my song. Amen. I don't want to lose my tears. I don't want to lose my joy and enthusiasm. I don't want to quit singing in the choir. I mean, listen, I don't want to quit coming and being excited about Sunday school. I don't want to quit raising my hand in church. Listen, everybody around us may quit, but by the grace of God, churches are dying by the dozen, but I want to still see what David wants to see. I want to see God's power and I want to see God's glory in the sanctuary. Hallelujah. Tonight, David had a hunger for God. How about your hunger tonight? David's hunger was not based on anybody around him. It wasn't based on who he was. It wasn't based on what he had. It was based on his Lord. Oh God, thou art my God. I'm going to tell you something about worship tonight. Worship cannot be about things. Worship cannot be about people. And worship cannot be about places. Worship's got to be about Him tonight. Brother, I'm telling you, when it's about Him, all them other things doesn't really matter tonight. Doesn't matter who shows up at church. Doesn't matter, amen. Listen, I'm talking about David. He's hungry. Are you hungry for God? Are you hungry in your worship tonight? David, how did you keep from being down or being from knocked out when you got down? He said, I'll tell you how. I kept that hunger for God. Even when I was in a dry and thirsty land, I still wanted to see his power and glory. I still wanted to say, God, you're still my God. And early will I seek thee. I'm gonna get up in the dry times, God, and seek you as well as the bountiful times. And David, I see here that it's seen in what he wanted. It's seen in why he worshiped. Here's the question, David. Why would you worship God in the wilderness when your own son's turned against you? When your own counselor, your own friend has betrayed you? When your own nephew has betrayed you? When all the kingdom has dethroned you? David, why would you still worship God in a moment like this? He said, I'll tell you why. Look at verse three. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. You know what David said in verse three? 
So what if I lose the throne? So what if my son takes the kingdom? David knew that it wasn't sitting on that throne that made him happy. I'm telling you tonight, if I've seen anything in church, I've seen people, they get fired up when they, when they do things but, and they get fired up in things. But I'm gonna tell you what fires me up tonight. It's not, it's not this church and it's not the things that's going on in this church. What fires me up is his presence, amen? I'm telling you, you can take everything that goes on around this church uh, and if you take the presence of God out, uh, we're nothing more than a social club, amen? We don't have anything. Uh, we can have pretty singing and we can have alliteration outlines and we can have a big number and we can have money in the bank but we don't have anything and David said I'm going to tell you when it looks like I've lost everything there's one thing I hadn't lost he said I'm going to tell you I still got my praise I still got my worship he said I'll tell you why I can worship God when it looks like everything's gone south he said because his love and kindness is better than life he said my lips shall praise thee I want to tell you tonight if you just stop and think about it on a Wednesday tonight, if God never did another thing for me, if he never did another thing for you, every one of us tonight ought to just shout ourselves silly over how good God has been in our life. I mean, do I have to remind us we all should be in hell tonight? God don't owe us anything. We don't deserve anything. We didn't merit anything. It's only by his mercy. It's only by his grace. We're even sitting where we're sitting at tonight. I'm here to tell you, I'm about to think myself happy, amen, his loving kindness is better than life, hallelujah you think about how kind God's been to us today I thank God I didn't have a stroke today how many of y'all thank God you didn't have a heat stroke been working working outside for two days in the dirt and the sand, I got about a half a gallon of sand in my lungs right now and uh I was outside, I'm talking about ringing wet. You know what I'm talking about. You can sweat inside now in this temperature, can't you? I was just sitting outside, I mean, I was ringing wet, and I thought, man, if it gets any hotter, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know? Uh, but you know what? I was sitting there, and I got to thinking, about where God brought me from. I was digging in that dirt and I thought about that. I'm on my hands and knees and I got to thinking about how dirt, I mean, I thought, man, there ain't nothing good about dirt. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, listen, it don't smell good. Somebody say amen. It don't look good. Nobody tears their grass up and says, well, I just want to fill my backyard full of dirt and enjoy the dirt, amen. No, we, listen, nobody wants a dirt driveway. Ain't nothing about dirt that we enjoy or that we like, but we're made from the dirt, isn't that right? And I was down there in that dirt of digging all day today. I got to digging in that dirt and breathing it and I thought, man, I mean, this is just terrible. And the Holy Ghost said, you know what, son? That's exactly what you're made out of. That's what you're made out of. You ain't made out of that rock. You sure ain't made out of silver and gold. Now, some people think they are, but they're not. Amen? Listen, everybody's common, just some people don't know that. Amen? But I want to tell you, if you want to know what we come out of, we come out of the very dust to the ground. I mean, we come out of this mud ball that we stand on top of every day. I was digging in that dirt and I thought to myself, boy, that's exactly where I came from. That's exactly where this old bodies are going. But hallelujah, I'm glad the grave is not the end. Amen. I thought, man, one of these glorious days, I'm going to be made of something other than dirt. Hallelujah. I'm gonna, I don't know if it's going to be gold or what it is, but it's going to be a glorified body. I'm telling you, friend, God's been good to us. 
He ought to let us go back to the dirt and go to hell. But he's been so merciful. He's been so good. We get heaven, all of this, and heaven too. That's worth praising him for tonight, amen. And I say shame on me and you if I ever sat in service and just sit there like I'm dead. Baptists get the pooch mouth. None of y'all got the pooch mouth tonight, do you? Baptists get the pooch mouth and they'll sit and pout. I'm gonna tell you, I don't wanna answer to God for pouting, amen? Come on now. I'm talking about, or listen, they'll come in church and say, I'm tarred. Y'all to be tarred and feathered if you say that. We all get tarred, don't we? I'm telling you, I don't care how tired this body is. I got places hurting tonight I didn't even know I had. <laughs> but you know what? I'm glad to be in church, won't you? Brother, I'm telling you, don't you thank God you got up and was able to dress yourself this morning? Don't you thank God you got your right mind? He let you live another day, this side of eternity. He blessed you with a home and a family. You know what that is? That's God's loving kindness. I'm not going to finish this sermon. I'll give you part two another Wednesday, amen? But I'm talking about, you know what helped David when he was down and not out? It was his hunger for God, amen? I got four. Let me give you one more and we'll stop right there. It was not only his heart for God, but it was his, or his hunger for God, but it was his heart for God. That's what we see in verses four, five, and six is David begins to bear his heart. He said, thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hand in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. You know what David is doing here? David is using uh, every part of his body to magnify God. And the reason David had a hunger for God was because David had a heart for God. Now I'll tell you something. When you lose heart, you lose your hunger. You know what the devil and the world and the flesh is constantly trying to do? Get you to put your heart somewhere else other than God. I'm telling you, the flesh never quits. The world never quits. The devil never quits. He'll get you and I chasing something if we let him. It may not be sinful. Maybe it is sinful. But whatever it is, it's just got to be something that will pull our heart away from the things of God. I want to tell you, I don't want to love anything more than him tonight. Amen. I don't want to let anything come between me and the Lord tonight. And what I see in these verses here is that David, when he begins to magnify God, he reveals his heart. He talks about his life. In verse number three, he said, he said, my, he said because thy loving kindness is better than life. And then verse four, he said, thus will I bless thee while I live. David uses his life to praise God. Then he uses his hands. In verse number four, he said, I'll lift up my hands in thy name. And then he uses his soul. He said, my soul shall be satisfied. That's within David. And then he uses his mouth and his lips. And in verse six, his mind. He said, even when he lays upon his bed, he said, I'll remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. David, what do you say? David said, God, my heart is soul for you. He said, you've got my will. He said, you've got my life. You've got my lips. You've got my mouth. You've got my hands. Even in the nighttime when I'm laying on my God, I'm a thinking about you. I'm thinking about your goodness. I'm thinking that's a man that's got a heart for God. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, all we have to do to lose heart is quit thinking about him tonight. 
You know what Satan wants to do? Fill our schedule so full that we don't have time to think about him. You know, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The heart's desperately wicked. It's deceitful above all who can know it. Preacher, how can I know what's in my heart? Here's how you can know. Where's your treasure at tonight? Where do you spend the most time? Where do you put the most investment in life? For Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now every man has to work. At least they ought to. Somebody say amen. Girls, don't marry a man that won't work. Amen. That's sorry. Somebody say amen. And he ought to work and sweat a little bit. Amen. Make sure he works and make sure he sweats. Amen. If you've never, when you get older and, and, and you find the man that you think God wants you to marry, if, you don't, if he don't stink at least once because he's been working, don't marry him. Amen. Now, if he stinks because he won't take a shower, stay away from him too. Amen. <laughs> but you know what I've seen down through the years pastoring? I've seen people make a God out of their jobs. Okay, it got their heart. Remember when you punched that clock tomorrow, God gave you that job. And I understand people have to work long hours. There's people working tonight that I know want to be here and can't be here. We know that. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about when all you think about your work, when all you think about your job, when that comes first. I know a man that's in heaven tonight. Went home early because he put his job before. He told me that, and I believe him. I'm saying tonight, wherever your heart is, Jesus said, you want to know where your heart is? Where's your treasure at? Thank God for children. I love, Thank God children are a heritage from the Lord. Isn't that right? I'll tell you what also I've seen, Pastor. I've watched husband and wife so pour themselves into their children. Going to be the dad. Going to be the mom. No, be the Christian. Spirituality is what makes you a good husband, a good wife, a good father, a good mother. Amen. Well, it's quiet right now. Isn't it? Spirituality. That's reading the Bible. Spending time in prayer. I'm going to tell you, if any young person in this building makes it tonight, it'll be because they had a mom and dad that got on their knees and called on God. And it'll still be his mercy. I'm telling you tonight, I've seen people pour everything into their kids more when their kids started getting teenagers. Y'all listen to me tonight. I want to preach this on Sunday. Pride themselves. Don't pride yourself in your kids. Pray for your kids. Don't ever, don't ever tell your kids they, they can't do something, but don't ever tell them they can't. Tell them with the Lord's help through Christ. Teach them to lean. Teach them to love Jesus. Is that right tonight? Teach them to have a heart for God. Tell your kids things like this. Serving God's first. Serving God, comes it comes first. Teach your kids to don't follow fads, don't follow people. And as adults, we can't do that neither. Amen. You teach them, follow the Bible. 
Don't jump on the bandwagon of whatever somebody else is doing. Follow the Bible. So what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying if, if you make it, if they make it. I've seen, I've seen parents pour themselves into their children. When their children was grown and gone, oh, my soul, they didn't have nothing else to live for. They didn't, they, their, their relationship, it fell apart. When my last one got married, we took a two-week vacation. <laughs> Celeste said, Daddy, you really going on a vacation for two weeks? I said, yeah. She said, why are you doing that? I said, I could never afford it when y'all was around. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying tonight? God wants your heart. He wants my heart. I love this church. I thank God for Bible. It's the greatest place on earth to be. I believe that. I've watched pastors. They love the ministry more than they love Jesus. Ministry will steal your heart. And then it becomes about this and it becomes about you. It don't become about him. I'll tell you, when people dis and we all get disappointed, we all get betrayed. But when people walk away from you, does it hurt, preacher? Oh, sure it hurts. And I'm telling you, I've I've cried my eyes out. My wife's cried. We've cried over people that has left. And it'll knock the wind out of you, it'll knock you down. But I tell you what gets you back up is when you realize. I'm not doing this for them. You're not doing this tonight for me. We're doing it for him tonight. What would you do tonight if your best friend quit serving God? Or what would you do tonight if your children quit serving God? Or what would you do tonight if your parents quit serving God? That question can only be answered and the answer has everything to do with where your heart is at tonight. And where your heart is, or where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Tonight, I, as we stand,